Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you for being here and all of you that are online. And today I am wearing a Marty McFly jacket. The, the creative communications team that put all this together pleaded with me, please wear this jacket in front of the whole world today. So what I said is, okay, they'd already bought the jacket in faith that I would wear it. And so I said, you get me a DeLorean and I'll wear that jacket. Well, I still don't have a DeLorean and I'm wearing the jacket. So guess who won those negotiations? Um, last Sunday was a God moment at Sugar Creek. In, on every campus, in every service, we had people come down the aisle to accept Jesus Christ as their savior. And it was absolutely amazing how God poured out a spirit on our, on our church, on every campus. I still don't have the final number of the people, the number of people that gave their heart to Christ, but this I do know. We baptized last Sunday 46 people on all of our campuses. And many of the people that we baptized had come to know Christ just minutes before and then were baptized on that campus. And today we have about the same a number of people that are being baptized on all these campuses of people that came to know Christ last Sunday and now are following him in believer's baptism as well as people that had already uh, come to know Christ before then. So it is just an amazing thing that has happened. And in fact, in fact, we had eight people online last Sunday who gave their heart to Christ, accepted Jesus as their savior. It's just a great thing that is happening in, in our church, it's a God moment. And speaking about online, did you know a few months ago, there was, uh, I guess a family or a couple of families in Ethiopia who decided we want to, we want to, we're there watching Sugar Creek and we want to start inviting people to our house to be able to come and be a part of worship at Sugar Creek. I don't know how they found us. I don't don't really know any of the backstory, but over the course of the last several months, uh, they would be with us from time to time, from week to week, about half the time or at least more. And one time there were 84 people in their house from Ethiopia watching our service. A couple of weeks ago, 25 people. I just am amazed. I am so amazed at this whole online experience that we're having the great privilege to be a part of. So I'm asking everyone, I'm asking uh, all of our campuses, everybody online, let's celebrate with our new friends from Ethiopia and just say, we're so glad. We're so glad to have you as a part of Sugar Creek. Tom Holland is a well-known historian in the world. People from all over the world know of this guy, of, of his history, of his writing. And uh, he wrote a book that is called Dominion. And in that book, he sort of goes back through the history of several things related to his project, to, his, to what his goals were for the book. And one of the things that he dealt with was the impact of Christianity in the world. He's not a Christian, he's not religious at all, but in his book, as he addresses Christianity, he makes this statement, the values that the world now, the values that the world now holds dear, the condemnation of racism, the welcoming of the immigrant, the support for human rights, the care for the impoverished, all these things, came from the Christian worldview. 
He came to that realization simply because he said as he studied the Roman Empire, there was no emphasis about any of these things. As he studied other religions in the first century, there was no emphasis whatsoever in those religions. The only one that had this kind of concept was the Judeo-Christian emphasis that came from the Bible, what we call the Old Testament, the Jewish Bible, what we call the New Testament. And he said, all of these principles are found in the Old Testament, but they went into hyperdrive in the Christian worldview. And he said, the only place you can find these are in Christianity that comes out of that first century and the emphasis was then taken all over the world. He then made this this statement and I quote, the world owes Christianity a debt of gratitude because it changed the world for good. The conclusion of all of this is the person that made the greatest impact on the world in all of human history has been Jesus Christ. He is the one that has made the greatest impact of all humanity. And here's what I wanna say to you. Jesus is not finished and his church is not finished. He wants to bring people from all over the world into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's what we're talking about in this series, Back to the Future. In this whole series of Back to the Future, we're simply saying, We need to go back in time. We need to travel 2,000 years all the way back to Acts chapter one, Acts chapter two, and see in a fresh new way where we've come from, who we are, and who we are to be as we go back to our future. This is my cell phone. My cell phone from time to time, I have to shut it down and reboot. Why? Because what happens to my cell phone if I don't do that? My smartphone becomes dumber every single day because it gets all clogged up with all these apps and all the stuff and opening the apps and closing and I know you can swish it up, but it doesn't actually take care of all of it. There is sort of a ghost presence of those apps on my phone and they start weighting the phone down. They, they start impacting. I better shut this off because somebody's gonna call me right now. They, they, they start weighting the phone down and, and they start causing that phone to not be as efficient as it was. You got to shut it off every so often. You got to keep it off for a couple of minutes, then reboot and it goes all the way back. Now, listen, this is true about us too. We, We start getting clogged up in our lives with all the problems and all the struggles and all the individual things, this and that, and it starts weighting us down. And there are times in which in our lives, we have to pull away and we've got to sort of reboot, we've got to shut down, we've, we've got to clear our head, we've got to come down and reboot in our life and then come back up again because only there do we clear out the junk. And the same is true about the church. For the last 18, 20 months, 24 months, 22 months, however many months, we have been clogged down with a pandemic. We face things we've never faced before, we didn't understand how to do it, we had to learn on the fly. 
And as we were doing this, then all kinds of other things that have happened in the world and all the things in our country. And after a while, we just are all clogged up as even a church. And it's so important sometimes for us to sort of bring it down and sort of unplug and sort of get our minds all back together. Who, where do we come from? Who are we? Where do we go? And that's what this whole emphasis of back to the future is about. Last Sunday, we baptized 46 people. Many of them had just gotten saved and a few minutes later, there they were being baptized. I preached through Peter's sermon in Acts chapter two. That's all I did. When Peter preached that sermon, 3,000 people got saved. And they immediately were baptized. But the question you gotta ask is, what now? Now that I've come to know Christ as Savior, what now? What's the next thing I do? What, how, I've been a saved for a while and I, I came to know Christ years ago. What is the next steps that I am to take as a believer to grow and mature? Well, of all things, it's right here in chapter two. So look at what he is telling us. In Acts chapter two, verse 42, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. And a deep sense of awe came over all of them. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. And all the while, praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. You know, I've taught on this passage at Sugar Creek before. I've been here a long time. And, and I, years ago, I taught on this passage. But the message this today and next Sunday are going to be very different than the last time. And here's why. Last August, as I was sort of thinking about this series, I knew it was coming in, in October, November. And I, I started praying about this. And I started reading. I want to get back to Acts chapter 1 and 2. I want to get this in my heart. And I came to this passage of Scripture. I felt God saying in my heart, it wasn't an audible voice, but a sense in my own heart of go back and read this again. And this time really read it. And when you read it, you will see these words, worship, connect, serve, and share. You will see these in the passage. Oh, for the first time in my life, it's crazy. For the first time in my life, I saw the four things in this passage, worship, connect, serve, and share. Those four words, worship, connect, serve, and share, have meant a lot to Sugar Creek over the last... 18 years or however long, because all the way back there, we began to put together what we call our purpose statement that we quote after every service. We put together uh, our values. We put together the, the whole vision frame, what we call a vision frame. And one of the things we said is, how does a person grow spiritually? What are the things we can do? What's the strategy that we should use to help move a person along into becoming a fully devoted follower of Christ? And these four words became the strategy. Let's move them from worship to connect to serving to sharing Christ. And they're not consecutive. They're all at the same time. Worship, connect, serve, and share. Let's move people along this pathway because as we do, 
They will grow and mature in their walk with Christ. So where do we get this? It's all over the New Testament. It's everywhere. So we started pulling it together. And of all things, all four of these ideas are right here in this passage. So today, I can't cover all of them, but I want to cover the first two, worship and connect. See, these two things are critical to our spiritual development. Worship and connect. And they're right here in the Bible, so let's look at them. And then next week, we're going to look at the next two, but the first two really concentrate on verse 46. They worship together at the temple each day. And then they met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. Getting back to the future for Sugar Creek, Getting back to being that church that is a world-changing kind of church. We're not the only church God has. He's got a bunch of churches everywhere. And altogether, we are the church of Christ. But separately, we also are a local church that God is using. How do we be a world-changing church that God wants to use? The first thing is this. A world-changing church meets together to worship our God. Acts 2.46, they worshiped together at the temple each day. When they got together and they were worshiping there at the temple, the church was a unified community that praised together. They didn't have church buildings in first century or for a long time. They didn't have church buildings, but they had a worship center. It was called the temple. Well, these Jewish people, they, they had already so identified with that temple the temple is relatively a small building, but the temple grounds, it's unbelievable. That temple mount is a platform you could put 100,000 people on. It's just unbelievable. And there were areas of that temple mount that the teachers would go and they would teach. Remember, Jesus would go to the temple, it says, and he would teach people. He would gather them around in a place called Solomon's Colonnade. And it was sort of a portico that was over, sort of covered partially. And they would gather there and he would teach them. Well, the disciples had seen him do that all this time. So when they gathered these now 3,000 people together, they would meet at the temple. And they would then begin their service with singing. Yeah, at the temple they would do that. People would begin, they would gather together and they would sing unto Jehovah God and then there would be someone teaching them. And that is exactly what the disciples did. The apostles now they're called. That's exactly what they did. In other words, what we do Today, on the 21st century, is exactly what they did in first century. They gathered and they praised. Well, what did, what did they sing? Well, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 19, they sang psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, and they made music to the Lord in their hearts. We do the same. We sing hymns. We sing scripture songs. Many of the songs that we sing are taken directly from the Bible. They're verses that we bring together and we sing those songs. Uh, some of them are just spiritual songs. But in every one of them, have you noticed something? Every single one of them, all of them are saying something to God. We are calling out the characteristics of God's nature. 
We're saying, oh God, you are wonderful. You are majestic. Oh God, you are so great. You are so loving. You are so kind. You are a holy God. You are a righteous God. You care for us. You are there for us. We sing out the characteristics of the nature of God. And all of our songs do it. And all of theirs did it too. So there are times... Can I just be transparent with you? There are times I walk in to a worship service at Sugar Creek and I walk in and I'm not thinking about worship. No, I, when I, there are times I come in to this worship center and I'm thinking about problems. I'm thinking about things that we're trying to fix in the church because there's always problems. We got, all, we got all these people where you have people, you always have problems. And I'm thinking about problems of individuals that I'm trying to help. And I think about problems of Mark Hartman that I'm trying to take care of. And I just, sometimes I walk in and I'm thinking about problems. And as I'm thinking about problems, I'm just mouthing the words. I'm not praising. But something happens to me. As I'm, as I'm singing the words. Some, what happens is that, that those words that are in my brain come to my heart. And I'm, as I'm singing, I'm saying, oh God, you are so great. You are so kind. You are so loving. You are so gracious. And as I'm singing those words, I start thinking, it's true. You are. You are so loving. You are so holy. You are so righteous. Oh God, you love me. You care about me. You know everything about me and yet you still love me. And as I began to let those words go from my brain to my heart, something happens inside of me. And I begin to find myself praising. Not just singing words. I am praising the God, and you know, that loves me. And sometimes I'm saying, you know what? Why am I sitting here talking, thinking about the problems? Oh God, you already know all that stuff. You already know how you're gonna fix it. You already know what you're gonna do. Oh God, I put my heart on you instead of my problems. It's called praising. And it changes everything in that moment for me. I wanna tell you what's happened to me. The last few months, I don't even know, I, I, the last few months, it seems like all I can think about is the kindness of God. I, I'm serious, I, even shaving sometimes, I'm sort of thinking about some things that God did to turn some things around and I'll just say, God, you are so kind to me. And I'm driving and I'm thinking about things that he does and how he blesses and I'm thinking, oh God, you are kinder to me than I ever imagined. Even those thoughts are words of praise to God. It's one thing to praise God individually, and we should. It's part of, of our loving him back, but it's a whole nother thing to praise God with others. Something happens when you get in a room and you praise God with others. And that's what they did. They were praising God together. The church was a unified community that received then God's word together. Listen to what he says in Acts 2.42. All the believers devoted themselves 
to the apostles' teaching. What is this, the apostles' teaching? Well, what happened is, is that after they would have this time of praise in the, on the Temple Mount there in that little section they were in, then the, one of the apostles would stand up and they would begin to teach to them the word of God. Now, some of that was teaching directly out of what we call the Old Testament. That's really the Jewish Bible. They would teach the, the truths from the Jewish Bible. They would teach these new believers. And as they would teach them, they would always teach them in light of the, the Messiah. These promises God gave us, these, these prophecies God gave us, look how Jesus fulfilled each one of them. Do you remember the story of the two people on the road to Emmaus? Jesus has just been resurrected and these two people are in Jerusalem with the apostles and they hear that Jesus has resurrected from the dead and they're not know for sure whether that's really true or not. They don't know what to think and they just said, we're going home. Well, Emmaus was six miles away and they just took off and they just started walking home. I believe it was a husband and wife together and so as they were going along the path, a total stranger came up. They didn't even know who he was. Jesus had hidden himself who he was, I don't know how he did that, but he hid himself from their awareness that they were now walking with Jesus. They, did, they didn't know. And this stranger they're walking with begins to tell them about the Old Testament prophecies and how Jesus had fulfilled every one of them, how Jesus had, had accomplished every one, accomplished this and that and the other. And they were listening to him. They were marveling at him. In fact, then when they got to the end of the trip, Jesus revealed himself. We've been talking to Jesus this whole time. Unbelievable. And notice what the verse says. He says, did not our heart burn within us? as he taught us the Old Testament, the Jewish Bible. The apostles were teaching these prophecies of the coming of Christ. Second of all, they were teaching the stories of Jesus. They'd spent three and a half years with him. They told these individuals, oh, we were there when the, he walked on water and when we tried to walk on water and we were there. Here's the story of it and here's what Jesus taught us. We were there when he raised someone from the dead. We were there when, when he healed the, the lepers. We were there and they told the people of all these stories of what happened with Jesus, our gospels and what Jesus taught them, our gospels, what he taught them and they taught them what Jesus had taught to them. And then the third thing is that the Holy Spirit just taught them directly. Truths and understandings they didn't know before and the Holy Spirit of God had now had come to live inside of them began to teach them directly. All these things were the apostles teaching. And listen to what the Bible says in 2 Timothy 3.16 because all those things are now in our New Testament. Our all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. He just shows us how to live life. You want to learn, learn how to live life to its very best? Just start reading his word. And the Bible even says to us that those who are true Christ followers will keep his word. The word to keep is a Greek word that actually literally translated means to steer by. Those who are Christ followers will steer their life by God's word. In the first century, those guys on the ships out there in the ocean, they would steer by the sun, 
But then at night, there's no sun, they would steer by the stars. They had learned uh, all the constellations and how everything flows. And so they, they could look up in the sky and they could know, am I going north or south or east or west? They knew by the stars. They steered the ship by the stars. Well, it didn't mean they did it perfectly. There were times that storms would come in, they can't see the stars, or times in which the wind would blow and they would get off course or, the, or they'd get in some water current and get off course. And then when they could see again the stars, oh my soul, look how we've gotten off course. So they would get it all back together again to line up with the stars. And you and I, God says, you want to learn how to live life? Live, steer your life by my word. And then what happens? We get problems and catastrophes and great disappointments in our life and frustrations and difficulties, and we get off course. But then when we get back to his word, oh, wait a minute, I'm way off course. And we get back on course by the word of God. So what they did is they devoted themselves to strive to steer their life by God's word. The church was also a united company, community that prayed together. They'd get on their knees together. They'd pray with each other. And they, oh God, please bless us. Please meet this need. And they'd turn their heart to God. Now listen to me. Notice there's a consistency in all these things. Notice the word together. They praised together. They read the word together. They prayed together. Because there is a power when we do these things together. Listen to what the Bible says in Hebrews 10, 25. And let us not neglect our meeting with one another. As some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Here's what the Bible says. Be together. Do these things together. And the harder life gets in this world and the more the world is falling apart and the closer it is that Jesus is coming back, you'll need each other even more. We just went through a pandemic and we even shut down for a while like other churches and, and then it was a slow coming back together again and boy, thank God for the internet. Thank God for online church. Thank God for that. And that for, it's for some period of time, it's all we had. And now we know, look, when I get sick and I still live in the area and I get sick, I can watch online. It just opened up our whole world. But there are some people, many, many people that are watching, they don't live in Sugar Land. They, they can't come to Sugar Creek, any of our campuses, but there is a draw of God in their heart to come to the service. There are people that live in other states, people who live in other countries, Ethiopia and, and all the other countries we've mentioned that, that are tuning in Germany and the Philippines and all these places, Guatemala and Canada and other places. And yay God for this. And we get an opportunity, we can be together at least online. And there are many people watching right now online and you have never been to the Sugar Creek campus and you're saying, I've heard about this church. I think I'm gonna check you out online. And I think that is a really good idea. I don't know how weird these people are. Don't know for sure what they look like. But after a while, 
take it to the next step. If you live in this region, come physically. If you don't live in the region, you can't do that. It's a long commute from Ethiopia to Sugar Creek every Sunday. But if you can come, there's something unique that happens when we do it together. I do know that some people have gotten very lazy and not come back, though they're going to every store under kingdoms come, and they are going every place that you can imagine. Oh, but I can't go to church. I, I, come on, that's just, just being a little bit lazy. But did you know what happened last Sunday? Oh, my soul. Not only did all these people come to know Christ and all these baptisms, do you know what else happened last Sunday? Last Sunday, we had 87% of our pre-COVID average attendance in person last Sunday. Ah, 87%. We're not talking numbers. What we're talking about is that our family's coming home. We're coming home. Keep coming. We sort of set as a target in January, 105% in January. Because we know God's been blessing us and growing us and and 105%. And even then, a whole bunch of people can't come. We get it. Keep watching online. What happened is that world-changing church worshiped together. And that's the strength. Second of all, a world-changing church is connected to do life together. Acts chapter two, verse 46. They worship together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's supper. They shared their meals with great joy and generosity. Listen to verse 42, Acts two. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's supper and prayer. We know these two things, being in homes and fellowship, are the same because the description is the same. They came together in small groups. The early church was connected through small groups. At Sugar Creek, we call these connect groups. Guess what? We have connect groups on some of our campuses that meet at the, right after worship or right before worship because we've got rooms enough to do that on the campus. And so it's two hours. They come for one Bible study, small group meeting, and then a second in worship or vice versa. And in some of, of our situations, that's what happens. In some, what happens is they still come back to the church for small group, but they come at another time during the week. For some, they meet in houses, just like you saw the description right here. They meet in houses one night a a, a week and they get together, they break bread, they eat food together, all that. And they read God's word together and talk about it. I have a dream for online. I have a dream. See, God has opened our borders more than we had ever dreamed before. And there are many people that are meeting with us every single Sunday online. And I have a dream. I have a dream that what will happen is is that God will start raising up individuals who say, I don't want to just sit here in my living room by myself and, and be a part of worship at Sugar Creek. I want to reach my neighbors. I am going to start inviting family members or neighbors or that sort of thing to come and we will meet together and we will be a part of the service together and then we'll have a small group right there in my house. And you know, that is exactly what's happened in Ethiopia. That's what the family did in Ethiopia. 
And I imagine in my heart, but what if that's what happened in other places in Texas and in Oklahoma and in, in New Jersey and in Florida and in California where a whole lot of our, peop- our online attendance is coming from? What if that happened in other countries? What if God started a movement and he used Sugar Creek to do this and we began to invite people to our house? We watch, we are participate, don't just watch the service, we participate in the service and then have a small group. I don't know how to do a small group, we do though and we can help you we can train you we can give you everything you need and if you are open to this idea those of you who are online if you're open to this idea we'll help you you just share with those people that are right there helping you from our church let them know we will help you put together small groups you can reach your whole neighborhood for Christ just like they're doing in Ethiopia. They needed each other. They needed to be with each other. They needed each other. They had this impossible goal of reaching the world for Christ. It's easy to get discouraged. It's easy to feel overwhelmed. They needed each other. And when persecution broke out, they needed each other even more. Not just the big group, the small group was so critical. A few years ago, Kathy and I went to San Francisco on vacation. We'd heard, you know, all these stories about San Francisco. We wanted to go see San Francisco for ourselves, and we had the greatest time. We spent several days there, and uh, we, when we do that kind of thing, we get like a book that gives you all of the, the places to go, put the organization together. I love organization. Put all the organization together, and then we go, and we, we just had the most fun. And one of the places we went to in... San Francisco, as we found out, they had a redwood forest right outside of the city of San Francisco. Redwood trees start with a little seed that's the size of a tomato seed, tiny. You put it, it falls in the ground and it begins to germinate and up comes this tree. A redwood tree can get 350 feet, 350 feet. Here, just think of a high-rise building that's 35 stories high. And that's how tall these redwood trees can be. And they are 40 feet around. And did you know that they last for hundreds and hundreds, even thousand, a thousand years? Unbelievable. And you're thinking probably, well, a tree that's 350 feet tall, it must have a taproot that just goes almost to the center of the, of the earth. But actually, all of its roots are shallow. All the roots of a redwood tree are shallow. They don't go deep. And what they do is they tie in, they wrap around other roots from other trees all the way 100 feet in every direction wrapping around each other. So guess what? You cannot knock a redwood tree down. You cannot do it. A tornado could go through, a hurricane go through. can't knock a redwood tree down because in order to knock a redwood tree down, you gotta knock down the whole forest. They are so tied together. And that's what Jesus intended for the church to be tied together. 
living life together. When you're down, somebody else is up. They help bring you up. When they're down, you're up. You help bring them up. You, you help each other. You encourage each other. You, that's what the small group was for. This week, I had lunch with uh, uh, Pastor Bruce Ammons, who, who told me about the new, it's a brand new thing, new Discover experience called Discover Sugar Creek. And he was explaining what all that was about and how they, what they had experienced this first time in October when they just did it. And I was so impressed. And in that, he made the statement to them, if in, if in a year or however long, you don't have five or six friends, more than likely we will lose you. Why? If all you do is come to worship, well, one day you'll be sick, you won't come to worship, and you think to yourself, nobody called from the church. They didn't miss me. They didn't even care. I, I, I wasn't even there for three straight weeks. I didn't hear any from anybody. Well, of course, because it's, you're in a big group. How, how do we know? But when you are in a small group, they miss you. These are, have become your friends. These are the people you're doing life with. These are people, when you're not there, they, they miss you. They care. And that was the intention. You take, you read God's word together. You get to ask questions. I don't really encourage people while I'm preaching to ask a bunch of questions. You may have noticed that. But in the small group, you can ask all kinds of questions. And you can learn in a whole different way. Church is to be worshiping together and small groups together. And we're trying to learn how to do all that online and we're making progress. But if you live in the area, would you open your heart? Because this is how you will grow spiritually. So let's pray. Father, we come to you today and we say, oh God, you are so smart. Your spirit leads so perfectly. And God, I pray you would continue to move in our church. There's something going on here. There is a, just God moments. There's just a movement of you. We're just seeing so many people come back so fast. We're, we are seeing so many people get saved. We're, we are just, there's a God thing going on here. And oh God, keep moving among us. And we ask that Father, those that are watching online, those who are present on one of our campuses, that this would be the day of salvation and someone on each of our campuses would come to know Jesus as Savior. Oh God, move among us. And God, help our people to begin to grow spiritually by going along the pathway of worship, connect, serve, and share. And help us as we help others. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.